0: This is The World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Kevin McCarthy lost the first three votes to become Speaker of America's House of Representatives after 20 hard-right Republicans withheld their support. It marks the first time in a century that the lower chamber of Congress failed to elect a leader in an initial poll. The rebels have coalesced behind Jim Jordan, though he lacks the support of the rest of the caucus. Mr. McCarthy can afford to lose only four Republican votes. Voting will continue until a speaker is chosen. Some Russian lawmakers demanded punishment for the country's military commanders after at least 63 servicemen were killed by a Ukrainian attack in Makiivka, a Russian-occupied town in the Donbass region. Meanwhile, Volodymyr Zelensky, Ukraine's president, said that Russia was planning a prolonged attack to, quote, exhaust his country. Ukraine's air force reportedly shot down nearly 90 Iranian-made drones in two days. Sam Bankman-Fried pled not guilty to eight criminal charges, including wire fraud and money laundering, in a federal court in New York. Prosecutors allege that Mr. Bankman Freed, who presided over the collapse of FTX, a crypto exchange, illegally diverted customer funds to his trading firm. He is out of jail and confined to his parents' home in California under the terms of his $250 million bail agreement. Itamar ben Israel's new far-right national security minister, sparked Palestinian outrage as he visited the compound containing the Al-Aqsa Mosque in Jerusalem. Sacred to both Muslims and Jews, the holy site is run by a Jordanian-led Islamic council. Jews can enter the compound, but Jewish prayer is not permitted, a measure Mr. Ben-Gavir previously threatened to overturn. The Palestinian foreign ministry called his visit an, quote, unprecedented provocation. Investors on Wall Street had a gloomy first trading day of the year. Tesla saw its share price plunge by 12% a day after the electric vehicle company reported lower-than-expected deliveries in the fourth quarter of 2022. Apple's, meanwhile, dipped by nearly 4%, sending the iPhone maker's market capitalization below $2 trillion for the first time since May. Colombia's largest remaining guerrilla group denied agreeing to a six-month ceasefire announced on Saturday by Gustavo Petro, the country's president. Mr. Petro, who has prioritized achieving, quote, total peace, had claimed to have reached a truce with Colombia's five major rebel groups. But the National Liberation Army, ELN, countered that it had not been consulted, and, quote, therefore, no such agreement exists. A group of video game testers at a Microsoft subsidiary voted to join the Communications Workers of America, forming the tech giant's first union in America. Microsoft had promised the CWA that it would accept the workers' vote. The pledge also applies to employees at Activision Blizzard, a video game company that Microsoft is seeking to acquire, which has three units of unionized workers. And fact of the day, 1016. The number of days China will have spent closed to the world by the time its borders open on January 8th.
1: And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. America's Economy Loses Its Mojo The world's biggest economy may be limping into the new year. A survey of America's manufacturing sector, due out on Wednesday, is expected to reveal that in December it contracted for a second consecutive month. If so, it will add to evidence that the economy is on the cusp of a recession as the Federal Reserve's aggressive tightening of monetary policy makes its impact felt. A crucial question is how the Fed will respond to the slowdown. Minutes from the Fed's December meeting, when it last raised interest rates, will be released on Wednesday, too. Analysts will pore over the month-old details to glean hints about the central bank's thinking. The new data and minutes, though, will pale in importance compared to a jobs report on Friday. So long as America's labor market remains robust, the Fed is likely to persist with raising rates. It worries that wage pressures will keep inflation high even as the economy sputters. What Ukraine's Bullseye Says About the War Ukraine rang in the new year as Russian cruise missiles rained down on Kyiv. Hours later, the country had its revenge. Using American-supplied HIMARS rocket launchers, it destroyed a temporary barracks in a school in Makivka, in eastern Donetsk province. Russia's defense ministry said that 63 soldiers had been killed. Ukraine and some Russian commentators say the true figure is around 400. The strike sparked fury in Russia with its military leadership. Our generals are untrainable, thundered Igor Girkin, who led Russia's first invasion of Donbass in 2014. The attack shows how Russian forces still make elementary mistakes. Ukraine is thought to have picked up the mobile phone signals of the Russian troops in the school. It also demonstrates the vital role of attrition in the war as Ukraine uses long-range precision weapons to wear down Russian forces, much as it did before offensives in Kherson and Kharkiv last year. Thinner Russian lines could pave the way for another Ukrainian advance. The Rising Price of a Baguette Thanks to generous government subsidies and a low dependency on Russian gas, France has been relatively well protected from Europe's soaring inflation. In the year to November 2022, the French inflation rate, at 7.1%, was the second lowest in the eurozone, after Spain's. But even France is bracing for a rise in prices when figures are published on Wednesday. The Bank of France expects the country's inflation rate to peak in the first half of 2023. This comes at a tricky time for President Emmanuel Macron's government. It has just ended petrol subsidies at the pump and raised the cap on increases to electricity and gas bills to 15%. Support will be limited to small firms, such as the corner boulangerie. Higher costs of living will be keenly felt by many families, just as the government is controversially planning to raise the retirement age. France, no stranger to bread riots, could be in for a turbulent year. Myanmar's Sour Toast to Independence At precisely 4.20 on Wednesday morning, a four-hour military parade kicks off in Nyepetow, the capital of Myanmar. In 1948, this was the time deemed most auspicious by astrologers for the country, then known as Burma, to declare independence from British imperial rule. Seventy-five years on, the generals now in charge will oversee a gala of concerts and sporting tournaments, as well as a show of fireworks and drones. But few citizens will share in the revelry. Many feel shackled anew since the army seized power in a coup nearly two years ago, destroying the country's brief experiment in democratization. Suppression of dissent has spiraled into an all-out civil war. Armed opposition groups claim to control almost half the country. And the conflict has reverberated far beyond Myanmar's borders. Southeast Asia's criminals find safety in the military-governed hinterland, and hundreds of thousands of people have been forced to flee their homes. A general election, due by August, is expected to mock democracy more. netflix and Shill, madoff on film 14 years after his arrest and almost two years after his death in prison bernie madoff is getting the netflix treatment madoff the monster of wall street a four-part docu-series about the mega swindler is released on wednesday madoff's ponzi scheming has already inspired a welter of books plays and television dramas as well as a documentary about his secretary. Is there anything left to tell? Netflix insists there is. It promises unique access to whistleblowers, employees, investigators, and victims, as well as never-before-seen video depositions of Madoff himself. There are unlikely to be startling revelations. Nevertheless, the story of New York's dodgiest investor continues to resonate, and in one important sense is not over. A liquidator is still recovering and distributing funds to bilked investors. More than $14 billion has been handed back so far, with more expected in 2023. For many who lost money, the anguish and suspense continue. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 GMT on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Wednesday. Which area of Los Angeles was stricken by violent riots in August 1965? Tuesday, which novel by W. Somerset Maugham is based, in part, on the life of Paul Gauguin. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Albert Camus, who died on this day in 1960. Without beauty, love, or danger, it would be almost easy to live. That's the World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week.